when I'm stepping into a writing session, it is so tempting to think, I really want to write a big song today for X, Y, and Z reason, you know, and um, that is so dangerous. And that's something that as writers, we have to just com- just completely deflect those thoughts, take those thoughts captive, you know, keep our posture and our heart focused on it's not why we're doing this. If, if God chooses to breathe on a song and God chooses to bless us in whatever way he chooses, great, we'll receive that gift. But that is not why we're doing this. Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I'm your host, Trevor Tyson, and I'm so excited you're here. But before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to our partners at Life Audio for all the amazing work they do to keep this show going. So special thank you to Life Audio. Be sure to check them out. Today's guest is a Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and worship leader, best known for songs like The Blessing, Run to the Father, Nothing Else, and so many more. His new record, God is Good, is out now, and he and his wife, Carrie, will make their Opry debut on October 1st. Please help me welcome Mr. Cody Carnes. Cody, welcome to the show. Hey, Trevor. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm thrilled you're here. It's like having this conversation in 2022 is interesting. I remember getting a phone call. I think it was 2015 from Pulse Outreach in Minneapolis. So Nick Hall's ministry. And they're like, hey, you want to come read some scripture before um, Francis Chan and uh, Nick speak? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, so flew out there, got there. Number one, it's an arena event. So I'm freaking out already. Number two... (laughs) Carrie Job and Cody Carnes are leading worship that night. And I'm like, <laughs> my little 15, 16 year old brain couldn't really process it at the time. It's like, what the heck is happening? So it's so That's funny awesome. to go from that shindig here. Yep. So we're finally yep. having a conversation. So thanks for here being we here. We are. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a wild past few years, but more recently you had the blessing sort of blow up the internet. And I'm just curious, when you were recording that song, and I'm sure you get this a lot, did you know the impact that it was going to make like as a once in a generation song? Like, I don't Definitely think... Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I remember the first time I heard it, I was in the airport and I saw it come up uh, through a YouTube notification. I'm like, what the heck is this? How's fatherhood going in 2022? Tell us about that first. <laughs> um, it's it's amazing, man. It just really is. It's crazy raising kids. And uh, it's so much fun just seeing them develop, seeing them grow into what God has put in their heart to do and has destined them for. And uh, yeah, doing my best to raise them well and just help them steward that. But it's beautiful, man. They draw you pictures while you're working. You know, it's Dude, I love it. <laughs> it's awesome, but... The Blessing was obviously a once-in-a-generation song from my chair. I don't know if you would agree. But what was the process for that like? We asked Chris Brown the same question, so I'm curious to hear from your chair. Yeah, um, man, it was such a a crazy day because it was was a very normal day in the sense that it was just some friends getting together to write songs, which happens all the time. And, and, um, you know, we wrote a couple songs that day. The Blessing was a song that we ended up writing. And so it was kind of later into the night and, um, you know, it just felt like it did feel, you asked me, you know, did you know the impact it have? No, you definitely don't. And that's, that's what is, um, you know, really actually fun. I think about writing songs and, and releasing songs is that you just never know what they're going to do. And, um, but I, we did know that it was special. We did know that there was 
we were having a very special moment in the presence of God while we were writing that song. So there was a sense of like, man, this is, this feels really just powerful. This is really impacting our hearts. Just this, we're just um, caught up kind of in this moment, this holy moment, you know? And so uh, I remember we finished writing it and, you know, the next kind of thought was, well, you guys are leading at church this weekend, you know, me being, you guys being me and Carrie and, they said, why don't, why don't you guys lead the song? You know, I think that'd be really cool. And like, okay, like just not really like anything more than just like, yeah, that'll be, that's, that'll probably be really special for the church and uh, let's just see what happens, you know? And so we lead the song on Sunday and uh, we get home on Monday and we just can't, we just can't shake the fact that it feels like we have to release the song immediately. And we didn't even really know why, because this is uh, March 2nd at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wrote it a few days before this. And, and so, we call the, you know, Elevation actually calls us while we're talking about it. And, uh, they said, Hey, you know, we, f- what do we do about this song? We're like, we feel like we should release it right now. I don't know why we feel that way, but it feels so pressing on us. And they said, we feel the same thing. And so we just like turned it around really fast. And by that following Friday, a few days later, it was released on YouTube and that was March 7th and the pandemic started March 13th. <laughs> so yeah. it was actually, some people think that we wrote it because of the pandemic. We yeah. actually wrote it before we had no idea what we were writing. We had no idea what was about to happen in the world. We didn't know the way that God was going to use the song. Um, so it just, it felt like kind of riding this crazy roller coaster, just watching the song do what it was doing. You know, I remember when cities started getting on zoom worship leaders and they started singing it together and how beautiful that was. It was like 25 different churches united together, singing this song digitally. And then, and then cities turned into countries. I remember when the UK did it and we just watched that and country after country, all of a sudden. And then it was like, then it was like continents, you know, Australia and Africa and South America. And it was just, um, just unbelievable, you know, to see, to see it. So, yeah, I just, I'm thankful that for whatever reason, uh, I just got to be just a part of it in that room that day. And, um, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's insane because I remember I was on, um, I was out with Mercy Me and Jeremy Camp promoting Jeremy's movie, I Still Believe. And I think uh-huh. it was either the pandemic shut the tour down that day and I went to the airport or I was on the way somewhere. And I remember being in the airport, getting the notification, listening to it, and just like holding back tears because I'm like, I'm in public. I don't want to like creep people out or anything. <laughs> like he's going through a rough time. It's like, no, this song is just so beautiful. And, it's insane. And then after the pandemic, being able to hear it at passion, like that moment in particular was the most memorable moment for that passion event for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. I was only there for, I think one evening. And that was the moment that it was just like, you have umpteen thousand, tens of thousands of kids in this room. And this song is just being lifted up. And it's like, yeah, you don't see this every day. So that was like firsthand being able to see and hear the impact that it made in people's lives and just looking around and people are on their knees crying, like just in the heart of worship is phenomenal, man. So I'm glad that the Lord used you guys to put that out. And I remember the first time I heard your voice was, um, in all he says I am with gateway and I was hooked to there. (laughs) Like it was when I first heard that I was going to the Minneapolis event, um, and I was like, 
dude, this is crazy. Like <laughs> this voice, the songwriting, everything. It's almost like I know that you co-write a lot for other artists. I hear about it. Like you see it and you can tell, and God's just given you such a unique gifting for songwriting mm -hmm. and leading. It's like, you can't really touch that. Like mm -hmm. you can't touch God's anointed and hearing these songs and seeing them just sang all over the world. Like you were talking about 25 countries just coming together, singing that one anthem. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And now you have this new record, God is good, which will be out by the time this airs, but it actually comes out this Friday yeah. for everyone, but yeah. it'll obviously be out. So yeah. I want to know the difference between like, you've went the CCM route and you've had success there, like with the, um, the end of time with Carrie, like you had these amazing songs, but this one is very ambient. It has its upbeat moments, but it's pure worship. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to know the mindset going into this. Did you have like a formula that you wanted to create for this to be specifically a worship record? Or did you just lay it all down and be like, God, use me? Like, <laughs> what was it like for you? I mean, it very much is um, just me writing songs with friends and not really knowing what will come of them or what kind of record will develop. And, um, you know, over the last 18 months and the, the goal in that, those moments is always just let's write songs for the church. Let's um, no really kind of end project in mind. I don't really like boxing in songs like that. I kind of like mm -hmm. cre like letting them just be created and then mm -hmm. letting really the letting God, God speak into like where they're supposed to go and. And not saying, well, but even before we create something, this is what this is the record it's going to go on. It's like, ah, I just don't really think that's how it should work, you know. So it was me going back over the last 18 months of songs and putting them all in one folder at the beginning of this year. And I knew in my heart I really wanted to make a live album. It's my first live album that I've done. And uh, I just felt like it was time. I just felt like as a worship leader, those are definitely the – those are kind of like the milestone projects, the milestone records that you make and – um, and so it just felt like, you know what? I feel like I would love to do something live. It also felt like the songs that I was writing, I couldn't really hear them on a studio project. I felt like they were going to be so much better if people were singing them with me in the room. Sure. So that's part of it too. But yeah, it's just really, and I went back over the, the songs and, uh, I had about 30 songs and I expected to like six or seven of them. And I ended up loving 24 of them. And that's just very not normal for me uh, because I'm quick to throw out songs. I just, I'm, I have like a really, I just set a really high bar. I'm hard on myself on songs, but I really genuinely felt connected to that many of them. And I just thought, what do I do? And, and I, I ended up trimming that down to 20 and, um, but I didn't want to release a, a 20 song album. And so what I actually ended up doing, and a lot of people don't know this, but um, I actually ended up making two albums at the same time. And so I recorded two different nights, 20 songs and night one was a, 10 songs and it, it's an album. And night two is a whole nother set of 10 songs and it's an album. So this album that's coming out now that's out now is um, the second night and it's the first album that's going to come out. Album two will come out sometime next year. It kind of be this surprise, you know, um, but yeah, this is just a collection of songs that really centers around the goodness of God. A lot of it, when I went back through those songs, I realized, oh, uh, I have a lot of songs with good in the title. I was really like intrigued by that. It wasn't intentional. And, um, you know, Too Good to Not Believe was one of those. There's a couple songs, uh, good, can't be anything else, good to be loved, you know. 
And so I just thought that was really interesting that I unintentionally wrote all these, these, this theme. And so I knew that the theme had to be something around the goodness of God. And then, and then I just remembered that phrase that we say all the time in the church, you know, God is good. And as soon as I kind of said that to myself, I remember having this feeling of, oh my goodness, in the season that we're in, where we've come in out of this chaotic, what is, people don't know what up is from down and heads are spinning and you know, it's like this crazy, like trying to find our footing again and what is true. And, and I felt like, you know what, as an artist and as a believer, I believe that that is the statement that I want to make. Like, God is good. Let's not forget it. And let's not fall into the trap of believing that he's not good. You know, let's remember that he is who he says he is. Let's take him at his word. Um, you know, so that just felt like the statement. And I remember even thinking, and I said to the designer when we were brainstorming and I said, I just see it as like a billboard. You know, I, I see it as like this big sign, bold statement. You can't ignore it when you see it. You When you drive past it, it's like you just you see it. You can't ignore it. I pray that the goodness of God in these songs, the, the, the goodness that it celebrates, the joy and the hope of Jesus that we experience in these songs. I pray that that's what people experience that they kind of just can't ignore it you know when they experience this album and so yeah the billboard just kind of speaks to the heart of it and me just wanting to make this like raise this massive sign of like i I believe that this is still true you know and i believe this is where our hope is you know so hi everyone if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault listen up we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, especially in today's day and age, you have to be reminded of that because you see everything in secular culture and not to get like too churchy with words and such, but you don't get reminded of the goodness of God as often as you used to. Like everything is progressively getting further and further from that. So I'm, I'm actually glad to hear that you broke it into two albums because if you were to put out like a 20 song album that's not really how the music industry works anymore. <laughs> yeah. So like you can't I don't like I don't be like relevant. Song albums. Uh you know, even for my well, favorite artists, I would be like Shine Down can pull it off. <laughs> like Shine Down just put a 20 song album out and I'm like, yeah, let's get it. But I totally get it. Like if you put out 20 songs, people are gonna buzz through it so quickly, especially 100%. like the they call it the TikTok generation. Yeah. Like if you don't have a new song out every three months or yeah. less, like people are gonna forget and it's sad, but yeah. it's interesting to think that you had 30 songs probably Mm -hmm. more like but just dumbing it into 30 that you wrote specifically for a project broke it into two like it's incredible Mm -hmm. like songs just spew out of you and you know that has to be a gift 
I couldn't write a song if I tried. Like, I'm sure it'd be something like, I'm sure your kids could write better songs than me, like 100%. But kind of playing on the music industry type thing, like splitting it into two albums, super smart. But I also heard you on the Empty Stage podcast with Andrew Greer, and you both discussed worship music and when it becomes a source of income. And I found that to be such a strong and relevant and needed conversation. So I want to point everybody to go listen to that as well. But could you give us your response? to that because i didn't find it as he was like attacking at all like it was just a very valid question like people people are thinking it so could you answer it no i think that it is it is a really interesting time where you know uh certain songs can become sources of income and and uh you know even just getting paid to be a worship leader at a church i mean you could really kind of go all these different ways with it and obviously people need finances to survive and live their lives. So there is an element of like, this is the, wherever you give your time to work, you need money to come in from that. So we all understand that. But I think what I loved about the question that Andrew asked is he said, he talked about the motivation. And I think that is the thing that has to be kept in check, you know? And um, when I'm stepping into a writing session, it is so tempting to think, I really want to write a big song today for X, Y, and Z reason, you know, and um, that is so dangerous. And that's something that as writers, we have to just just completely deflect those thoughts, take those thoughts captive, you know keep our posture and our heart focused on it's not why we're doing this if if god chooses to breathe on a song and god chooses to bless us in whatever way he chooses great we'll receive that gift but that is not why we're doing this and cuz so many times i think songs have they songs have impact on people in ways beyond what is ever tracked whatever that what is ever seen um you could look at a song and you could look at its statistics and could be disappointed by looking at statistics based on what your expectations are but every single time that song has been streamed it is connected to someone's heart and you don't know the conversations with god that that has inspired and the people that have met jesus because of that song and you so it it can be so easy to look at all these statistics and look at all these like these factors that really don't capture the essence of what God is asking you to do and what God chose to do with that song, you know, and that's really, that's really what matters. It doesn't matter what, how big a song is. It, it cannot matter what kind of money that you make from it. Um, I, I think too, you know, I really believe that when your heart gets twisted in some of that, I think that you stop writing those songs. I don't, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. And this is, this, you could get into the theology of this, but mm-hmm. I would make a statement as strong as like, I don't know that God can trust me if I'm, if that's my heart and my intention. And I feel like yeah. songs are entrusted to writers when we're writing for the church. I feel like they are. I do feel like they're gifts. You said that they are hundred percent gifts. Cause you, I sit down and a lot of, most of the time I have no idea what I'm doing. And the times that those songs, like the blessing, I mentioned that story, the time that those songs just yep. happen in a room, it feels like somebody just came into the room and said, here you go. You know, it's it's wild because you're like, I didn't I, I I mean, the thought came into my mind, but I I feel like it's there's there's just something else. There's this other element of something else in, in this room speaking to us. And we're you know, it is that element of what we're doing. So yeah. 
it is an entrusting thing. And I don't ever want to let my heart get to a place where I'm chasing the wrong motives. That That's actually scary yeah. to me. Like I, ha- I have this like fear of the Lord in that area. Like, no, please don't ever let that become my motivation because I feel like at that point the well will dry up, you know, and yeah. I don't want it to dry up. I, 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 I want to be mm. effective in what God called me to do. I want to, I want to do my part. You know, and um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a good question. That's awesome. And when you think about the grand scheme of things, like especially in worship music, you think of like, in my opinion, the greats of this generation for writing worship songs would be yourself, Carrie, David Leonard, Ed Cash. You have all of these amazing songwriters out there, and more recently, Stephen Stanley, one of your label mates. Like these people are so anointed in what they do. And even thinking about your track record, like um, the garden was a huge um, album for me and seeing it live, like at Prince Avenue here in uh, Athens, Georgia, it's like that to this day is like one of my favorite live experiences because it was a season where I needed that. And hearing like specifically the songs, like um, I will sing closer to your heart and uh, speak to me. And then from the blessing favorite place, like it's just these random songs in these records. And for your new record, it's like, I mean, number one, you throw Natalie Grant on a record and you're like, (laughs) oh crap. But then you hear songs like forever and amen with you and Carrie. It's like the repetition, like songs don't just connect with people. Yeah the heart behind the songs connect with yeah. people, the lyric, the lyrical content within the songs connect with people, those little nuggets of wisdom that God gives the songwriter. And then it goes in and you create the sounds and the ambience. And I know that people can use frequencies and stuff to trigger emotion. Mm-hmm. I never get that from yeah. you. Like these songs are genuinely speaking to the heart. And I'm curious to know, like you have, a long career ahead of you. You've already had a long career. You've toured the world. Where did this all start for you? Like from childhood, what's the story behind Cody Carnes? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a musical family. I remember being on a drum kit at age two, vaguely, mainly because my parents just tell me those stories and I see the pictures, but, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I just was like, in just enamored with music from before, before I can remember, and that was like my dad and uh, me and my dad's bond was music. You know, he was a professional musician for 25 plus years and um, he just raised me to love it. And, uh, you know, we played music together when I was a kid. I would I would kind of go around with him at certain little gigs that he played, you know, um, and I would be the kid, the six year old that knew how to play this song and that song. And I would get up and play drums for a minute. You know, it was just this thing. And so that and that just you know, evolved into me being in bands with my friends and leading worship at church and, um, you know, kind of all of, all of those things. So music has been a passion for a long time. And then, you know, when I started leading at church in my youth group in high school, I was the worship leader and I just fell in love with, uh, being able to create music and also lead people into the presence of God. Like, I felt like that was the best combination I could think of for, you know, creating music and just those experiences changed my life. And so, you know, that's just, that's what inspired me to just keep, keep going. I, I, uh, I moved from my little town in West Texas to Dallas after high school and I started going to Gateway Church and that's really where I kind of grew up and learned, you know, how to lead worship, learned 
like from some of the best pastors in the world, learned from, uh, I, I started traveling with Carrie at that, and that, in those days, those early days, she invited me to be in her band. So I was touring with her and, you know, just kind of writing songs. That's where I wrote All He Says I Am, you know, in that season. And, and, um, so yeah, just, uh, kind of from one step to the next. And the consistent thing has really just been serving in church, you know, just serving in church and, yeah. you know, being faithful to where, where, where you're at and letting God open doors and letting, you know, just kind of walking through things and, um, still doing that. We still serve local church here in Nashville yeah. and, uh, we're just still kind of being faithful to what we have in front of us and walking through the doors, you know, God has in front of us. So it's beautiful to hear like all these stories from your world renowned worship leaders and the one common denominator from every single one of them is serving, serving, yeah. serving. And that leads into my next question for those out there that are chasing a spotlight or they know they want to be a worship leader and they're called to that, but they're getting blinded by everything else around it, yeah. like it providing an income and being inconsistent in their faith walk as a result of that. What would your message be to them? Uh, I think, you, you know, if you chase those things, um, it, it, it just, it just really just messes up your heart. It just tears things up. It's, it's destructive. One, you won't ever get what you're after because, um, I think that the people that whoever you're looking up to, that you're expi- aspiring to be, whatever that looks like, um, you know, I would say that those people are, are most likely in that position because they've just taken the position of serving and whatever God has and whatever God wants to do and trusting him with that. And they've walked through disappointments and they've walked through things that they didn't get what they wanted and they didn't necessarily didn't work out the way they thought that it should. But ultimately they look back and realize like God was in it the whole time. And, um, you know, uh, I've definitely had moments where like, I didn't, I didn't like what was happening. I, I the timeline was off for me. It wasn't happening as fast as I need wanted it to. And it didn't look a certain way. And now I look back now and think, Oh wow, God was just Oh, he was doing this with me in this season. He was he was preparing me. He was putting my roots down. He was teaching me this. I had to. I didn't realize I had a blind spot in this area. He was having to strengthen. You know, all those kinds of things that like God's always working. Mm-hmm. And the waiting, the waiting is so purposeful. It is not wasted time. You know, it is a time when, when God really has to solidify things and foundations before He trusts you with more things. And and so you know that's just part of that of that process. But. Um, yeah, you really just have to trust God with all of those dreams. You know, I think God puts dreams in our hearts for a reason. He doesn't like give us those things to just for us to be disappointed and not see them happen. I think he gives us those things, but it's our job to let him tend to our hearts and let him get out all the things that are, aren't good, all the things that are unhealthy. And so the best thing you could do is just cut your heart open before God. And just like David prays is like, examine my heart, God, take out anything that you see that is unhealthy, um, that's the best thing that you could do because you don't want success with unhealth. It doesn't turn out well. It doesn't. It it gets exposed. Um, you fall into things that you shouldn't, and and then it's just a massive, massive mess. And you see that time and time again, you know. And so if you if you're gonna if you're gonna have the success that you're after, if I'm talking to the person you mentioned if that really wants that. Um, you're going to want to be grounded, healthy, have a healthy relationship with people, with God, have a clean hand, clean hands, pure heart. You know, those are the people that will ascend the hill of the Lord and see God, clean hands, pure heart. That's what scripture tells us. And um, yeah. so focus on that 
and everything else will be just as it's supposed to be. Man, what an amazing conversation with Cody Carnes. That dude's a legend, and I'm still just sitting here like we finally got to have that discussion so i'm excited special thank you to life audio again for making all this happen and um, as usual we've got some resources in the description below with heart support death to life beneath the skin and uh, some other organizations that we recommend you reach out to if you're struggling with your mental health or just need some extra support today also the crisis text line is always available at 988 and we love you guys so much be sure to go check out cody's new record god is good and uh be sure to listen to forever and all man because that's my favorite song on there so i love you guys talk to you soon and uh enjoy the rest of your week Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project Podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.